Hey everyone, I think it's always a good time for good news, maybe more so now than ever. And that is the theme of the new series we're going into today. It's called Too Good To Be True, The Good News in Romans Chapter 8. And what we're going to be doing over the next while, every single week, is we're going to be focusing in on the truths in Romans 8 about the good news that is ours in Jesus and His Gospel. Now, throughout church history, some of you would know this, the book of Romans has been a darling for so many people. And Romans chapter 8 is the high point of the book. Now, I'm not sure who first said this. I've read this attributed to a bunch of different people. But some people have said if Romans is the Himalayas of the Bible, then Romans chapter 8 is its Mount Everest. Now, you don't have to feel as passionately about Romans or Romans 8 as whoever that is does. Maybe you're more a Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7 to person. Maybe you love the book of Ephesians, or maybe the Old Testament is your gig, and you love the book of Leviticus or whatever it is. That's so fine. But you can't deny that Romans and Romans 8 is something special. John Piper, a well-known pastor, preacher, and author, has written, The greatest book in the world is the Bible. The greatest letter in that book is Romans, and the greatest chapter in that letter is chapter 8. And probably the verse we're going to focus in on, verse 1, is probably the most important verse in Romans chapter 8, which means no hype or anything. But this message today is maybe talking about the most important thing you're ever going to hear in your life. Well, now that I've kind of set the bar really, really high for myself, luckily we're trusting in what God's Word has to say, not how well I can prevent it, uh, present it. But I hope that this is going to encourage you today because this is such good news. So we're going to be in Romans 8 for the next while on Sundays in our life groups. And I want to encourage you personally to read through Romans 8 again and again and again. Slowly, uh, every couple of days, pray it through, meditate on the different passages, let the Holy Spirit lead you, memorize part of it and pray it into your heart and life. You know, we don't just want to know what this chapter says. We, we don't just want to be able to repeat it. We, we want to live it. We want to be changed by it. We want to apply it to our lives. So today what we're going to do is be in Romans 8 verse 1 to 3. Let me read what that has to say to us. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Now one theologian wrote this and I thought it was so cool as we get into this chapter. That this chapter begins with no condemnation and it ends with no separation from the love of God. Really looking forward to preaching that last message in the series. But the book ends of Romans 8. What's at the either end of this chapter, are no condemnation and no separation. And that's the incredible good news of what we live in inside of Christ as Christians. Whether you feel like you're a good Christian or not, this is still for you, that there is no condemnation for you in Jesus. So with that being said, what is condemnation? So it sounds like a pretty heavy thing to talk about in a series about good news. 
Well, some of you might remember this. A couple of years ago, Carte Blanche did an episode on some homes around Durban. And I found this really important because they, they started talking about a block of flats that was built next door to where we lived on Curry Road. And some of you know the exact building I'm talking about. It's still being developed nine years after I first moved into that building. And it was built higher and wider than the original plans stated. You know, they think there was a bunch of bribes and corruption around it, but basically, those developers were sued by all of the buildings around them because they lost their view, they put their property prices in danger, all of those things. This was a really difficult build. And then they went on to Cowie Road. And those of you who know Cowie Road well will know that there are a bunch of really run-down, dilapidated buildings on Cowie Road. And they were speaking about how what they believe is that the owners of these buildings are letting them run down so that they get really these old, beautiful, historic Durban buildings have to be torn down because they've been condemned. And Derek Watts, if you know him, he goes into one of the buildings and actually the owners have moved squatters in there. There's no lights, there's no power, but they've moved people in there so that actually the process of condemnation will speed up so that they can tear down these homes and build what they want in its place. It was kind of shocking. Now, if you've ever been in a condemned building before, or if not, I'm sure you've watched some kind of haunted house thing on TV where kids go into a dilapidated building at night, but you would know in a condemned building how bad it can be. And generally outside of one of those homes is a sign with red letters, big bold red letters that say condemned, letting you know actually this is not a safe place, uh, this is not a healthy place, it might not be good for you to go inside of this place, it needs to be torn down because it's condemned. And I know for some of you watching this today you could feel that way personally, or maybe you know a time in the past when you felt this way, you felt condemned. Maybe you felt condemned by God, like there was a sign outside of your life that just said that. Big, bold, red letters, condemned by God because of something you've done, a mistake you made, a failure, sin in your life. So you felt guilty and ashamed about that. Or, or maybe you feel condemned by people. It could be family or friends. You feel like you haven't lived up to their expectations. You feel like you haven't been good enough. You feel like you failed. You feel like you're not fill in the blank enough for those people. So there's a sign outside of your life that says condemned, big, bold, red letters, condemned. You know, we can live under the weight of these things, our mistakes, our failures, our sins, our disappointments in life. And we just live under this judgment and feel condemned. Condemnation can be a very, very harsh thing. But at the same time, as bad as condemnation can be, I want to say that there are some forms of condemnation that are necessary and good and that we celebrate. For instance, we condemn evil and injustice in this world. We condemn it. We condemn violence and abuse. And I'm so grateful in our country at the moment that it's like there's a spotlight that has been shone on gender-based violence and all of the physical and domestic and sexual assault and abuse that goes on in so many homes around our country. We condemn that. We condemn violence and abuse in our nation and around the world. And as Christians, we condemn sin and evil in our world. And we look forward to the day, because it's going to be a good day, that God will judge the evil and injustice and sin and brokenness of our world and everything that is opposed to His good and glorious ways and kingdom. So we believe that there are some forms of condemnation that are good and righteous and holy and pleasing to us and God. But what Romans 8 verse 1 says is that if you are in Christ, and that's going to be a term that comes up a lot today and in this series, 
If you are in Christ, then no matter what you have done or haven't done, and no matter whether it was deserved or undeserved, that there is no condemnation for you from God. None. None at all. Never again. Jesus has been condemned in your place. So any condemnation that you deserve has been fully satisfied by him. He is your substitute and your debt of sin is paid. He was condemned in your place so that you will never need to be condemned again. Which means that we can live freely now. Free from any and all guilt and condemnation in Christ. That's some good news. We're going to circle back to that in a few minutes because it's a lot to take in in one go. And there's actually more that we need to talk about already. And it can seem too good to be true. But before we carry on, right at the beginning of Romans 8 is this word, therefore. And we've said this before. When you read the Bible, when you come to that verse, you need to know what it's there for. So we go back. We read just before. And we see the context for the verse that we're reading. And in Romans 7 verse 14 to 25, Paul writes about this tension that is so true for all mankind. He's got a real good understanding of human nature that we'll see here. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the Lord that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my flesh. For the desire to do good, what is good is with me. But there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one who does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. This is Paul the Apostle talking here, a very intelligent, very disciplined person who clearly has a huge understanding of human nature and the way we work. And he's telling us that he gets it, that even he, this great apostle, he struggles with this tension too. He feels it inside of himself, the desire to do God's will, but at times the fact that he doesn't do it, he does the very thing that he hates. And that is the heart of what's going on here in chapter 7. Verse 19, I think, sums it up well. I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. And all of us are imperfect and we wrestle with sin. Whether you're a Christian or not today, we're all in the same boat. And every single one of us have got a reason to feel guilty and to feel shame before a holy God because we don't even manage to live up to our own standards, let alone to the holy and perfect standards of God. Which means that we don't just need to be forgiven of our sin, but we also need power to overcome sin in our lives. And this is what Romans 8 teaches us. So I just want to ask you to bear with me for a minute here, because this is really important, but might sound a bit confusing at first. There is both a capital S sin and a lowercase s sins going on in this passage. When I say capital S sin, what I mean is the thing that we are captive to outside of Christ. It's a force. It's a power. This is the capital S sin that enslaves us. 
And at the same time, there are lowercase s sins, the things that we do that miss the mark of God's standards and ways, doing the wrong thing. When we choose to go our own way rather than God's way and sin, that's lowercase s sins. And these are two different but related things. Now, anyone, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we can overcome lowercase s sins in our life with some effort, with some self-control, with some discipline, with some help, with the right program or coaching or whatever it is, we can all change our behavior and change the things we do. We can stop certain things and start other things. We can change. But unless Christ has set us free, we are still controlled by that capital S, sin. The power of sin still has us enslaved. Which means that we can have behavior modification in our own strength, without salvation. And what Romans 8 is getting at here is that we should be after not lifestyle change or or better morality, but rescue, and particularly the rescue that Jesus offers us. We are not just forgiven by Jesus, but we are also set free from the power of capital S, sin, in our lives, which means that we might still continue to wrestle with sin, you know, different habits, different struggles, different desires inside of us. We'll struggle with that for the rest of our lives, that Romans 7 tension, it's going to be a reality for us, but we are no longer under the control and the power of sin. I I love this way of saying we are no longer in sin, but now we are in Christ. We are forgiven and free to live a new life in Him. And this is where if I haven't lost you yet, and if you've had your coffee and you're feeling awake and you're feeling alert, you might say, okay, Grant, I'm with you, but I need to ask you this. If I'm good with God now because of Jesus, I've repented of my sin, I've trusted in Him, I'm forgiven. My past sin is dealt with, but surely I better be really good to try and avoid any future condemnation, right? Is, is that what you're saying here? Let's go a bit deeper into verse 1, because what is going on here and what it is saying here is that condemnation no longer exists at all for those who are in Christ. It doesn't even exist anymore. In Christ, our past, our present, and our future sins have all been dealt with by Him. It's incredible. You see, all of your sin was future tense 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. None of it had been committed yet. None of it had happened. So none of it had had to be dealt with. It was all future tense. And now, for some of us, we, we think, is it possible that there's still some future condemnation stored up for me down the line when I mess up, when I do something really, really bad? And that just doesn't make sense because all of our sin was dealt with 2,000 years ago at the cross. Therefore, Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation. Not a little bit of condemnation just left over, like a little condemnation hangover. No, not not future condemnation for the things we haven't done yet. No, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is more than just dilapidated, run-down buildings that need to be torn down. It's also a legal term, and that's what Paul is talking about here. It's almost like this is uh, an illustration of the courtroom of life. And we're coming here at a point where the judge's gavel has gone down. Bang, bang, bang. And a verdict is delivered. And what we see here is that if you are in Christ, the verdict delivered over your life is that you've been pardoned, acquitted, freed, released. And to use a good church word, you have been justified by Jesus. That in Christ, you and I stand free from any debt or penalty because of our sin. And it means that if you are in Christ listening to this today, You are no longer under any condemnation or any penalty from God. Romans 8 verse 1 says that if we are in Christ, 
then God has nothing against us. He finds no fault in us. He finds nothing to punish us for because of what Jesus has done for us. There's a pastor that I've learned a lot from. His name is Ray Ortland. He's got a great podcast out at the moment. He's written some really good books. And he says this of this passage and what Jesus has done. Jesus puts us in his place of approval and he put himself in our place of condemnation and God accepts that exchange. And that means for you and I that we no longer live in the place of condemnation because of Jesus. We live inside God's approval. God approves of you in Christ. Maybe another way to say that is that there is a banner over our lives that says no condemnation. Everywhere you go, all the time, anywhere, no condemnation is over your life. So first thing in the morning when you wake up and that alarm is going, no condemnation. Grant is not condemned. You hop in the shower, no condemnation. You drink your tea, no condemnation. You're you're driving to work, no condemnation. Even when you get a bit impatient and there's a low-level road rage in traffic, no condemnation. No condemnation when you hang out with your friends. No condemnation when you're praying or when you come and you raise your hands in worship at church. No condemnation. No condemnation when you're eating dinner or enjoying a good glass of wine and have a couple of pieces of chocolate afterwards for dessert. There's no condemnation when you struggle with this Roman 7 tension of not doing the things you want to do and doing the things that you hate when you sin and struggle, when you mess up, when you're ashamed of the choice you made and and, and you fail in some way. There is no condemnation. The no condemnation banner is always over your life from the moment you were in Christ. But it gets better. Paul doesn't just say that we are not condemned here. Because again, that would mean something different. If if we were not condemned, it would mean that right now we're fine. But come back later and we'll be back in business. And maybe we can be condemned then. Maybe down the line they'll be able to condemn us for something soon when we mess up in a different way. Instead, what Paul writes here is that there is no condemnation for us. Full stop. None. Nothing, zilch, not even a little bit. And this isn't a temporary situation we're in. This isn't provisional, you know, kind of based on the fact that we're on good behavior and we don't mess up again. No, this no condemnation banner is a lifelong reality for you and I in Christ. See, God knows everything. He's omniscient. God knows everything, every motive of our heart, everything we do. So imagine God set up CCTV around your life. And he's watching everything, everything in your home, everything at work, everything in your car, everywhere you go, he sees everything you do. God is not the kind of God who's angrily tapping his foot, waiting for you to mess up so he can pounce, you know? And if you cross that line with just the smallest impure motive, or actually just in your speech, there's just a tone which is a bit impatient or angry, or or if you just sin a tiny bit, the smallest little, whatever to you is the most minuscule sin, he's not watching ready to pounce. And then the, the kind of speaker system lights up with God saying, ha, I've got you, you messed up, you sinned, you're back on the hook. There is now some condemnation for you in Christ. That's not what is going on. That's not what God is like. And Paul is saying to us, no, there is none. Not now, not ever. There is no condemnation for us in Christ. It is finished. The verse says, there is therefore now no condemnation, which means that things have changed. Before there was condemnation when we weren't in Christ, but now in him, there's no condemnation for us. And I want to say to those of you who are watching today, and you're not a Christian, 
You're not in Christ. That everything I've said so far is not true of you yet, but it can be today. If you're not in Christ, then you do still stand condemned before God. You do still stand guilty and in your sin before a holy and perfect God. You know, you are still guilty before him. But these things that I'm saying today can be yours if you would respond to Christ and be in him. The change can be instantaneous because in Christ, our condemnation is gone. Romans 8 doesn't say that our condemnation is gone in really good behavior or our condemnation is gone if we tick all of the right boxes, or, or our condemnation is gone if we swap the life we've got for a really religious life, or our condemnation is gone if we do all of the right things, whatever they are. No, Romans 8 says that the only promise, the, the only provision for all of this assurance in Romans 8 is that we are in Christ. So are you in Him today? This all seems so simple. But the reality is I'm pretty sure most of us struggle to live in this. Why is that? I think one of the reasons is that Satan loves to bring up our pasts and our sins and our mistakes and our failures. And he loves to make us feel guilty and he loves to make us feel condemned. But for those who are in Christ, the debt has been fully paid already. You know, there's no condemnation that exists for us anymore because Jesus has been condemned for us. Imagine this. Imagine it's January or early February in Durban. You've got a couple of air cons in your home and because it's so hot outside, you decide, I'm going to crank them all day, every day. We're talking about 18 temperature, full blast with the air con all the time. I'm just doing it for this month because it's so, so hot. And at the end of the month, your electricity bill comes in and it is through the roof. It's never been anywhere near this high before, but you've got to pay it. And instead of you paying, my wife, Michelle, my spouse, she pays the bill. And then the very next day after the bill has been settled, I get a call from Etiquini Municipality and they say, Grant, is it not true that you are the one who turned on the air cons? Is it not true that you are the one who made that decision that actually 24-7 for 30 days you were going to blast air con? Is that not true? Did you not rack up this bill? I might say, yeah, that's true. I, I did it. And they say, well, then we want you to pay. I wouldn't say, sure thing, I'll, I'll do it straight away. I'd say, but the bill has already been paid. My wife paid it. I don't have to pay it again. Our account is settled. It's paid in full. And it's the same with us in Christ. In Christ, God doesn't condemn us for our sin. And Satan can't accuse us for our sin. Because Jesus has already been condemned in our place. He's already paid the price in full. And what this means is, like Philippians, he says, that there is nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there is nothing you can do to make him love you any less in Christ. You're in him. God sees you as if you are in him. Now, I think a lot of Christians believe God loves them more when they do the right thing. When they become more like Jesus, when they live more like him. But that's just not true. Rankin Wilborn says it so well. God doesn't love you to the degree that you are like Christ. He loves you to the degree that you are in Christ. And that is always 100%. That means that God is just as pleased with you on your worst day as he was with Jesus on his best day. I don't know what day that was. Maybe the day he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe the day he did a lot of miracles, re really loved people. Well, whatever day you think was Jesus' best day, God loves you as much as him on your worst because you're in Christ. Everything is forgiven. The condemnation is gone.
And what that means is that I don't ever have to be unsure again about God's love for me. Because in all my mess, in all my imperfection, in my ongoing lowercase s sins, in my Romans 7 tension of not doing the things I want to do and doing the things that I hate, in all of that, I still have that banner over my life, no condemnation. And I still live in the unconditional love and absolute acceptance of my Father in heaven. Some really, really good news. So the big question today is, are you in Christ? That's the thing that matters most from Romans 8. Because if you're in Christ, then I can tell you very confidently that verse 1 is true of you. No condemnation. And that God likes you. I love that word because we know God loves us and that's incredible. But I also want you to know that God likes you. You know, he's fond of you. He adores you. He wants to spend time with you. God is not like that father who's watching over you to see if you mess up. He's like that father who misses their kids when they're not around who goes into their room at night when they're sleeping to watch them sleep because he misses seeing them and being with them. He loves hearing about your day. He loves watching you live your life and do your thing because he loves you. God likes you. Do you believe that? Practically, what does Romans 8 verse 1 mean for us? Well, this declaration of no condemnation means a bunch of things, but let me highlight three. Firstly, this is true it means that you know the verdict over your life it's it's clear the verdict over your life is no condemnation not guilty justified free in Christ you know the verdict and that also means that you don't have to live with fear or uncertainty because you know what God thinks of you you know when God looks over you that he sees you no condemnation that he loves you that he likes you and lastly you know that God's mind is made up about you and nothing can change that. God's mind is made up about you and nothing can change that. I think if you've known me for a while, uh, it seems uh, I've been told that I can be quite black and white. Um, and I, I know that's true. You know, I make up my mind very quickly about things. So if Shell and I are watching a show on TV and I don't like it, she knows straight away. Because I'll stop watching and go on my phone or I'll wander out and go make a cup of tea. Or I'll say to her straight away, I don't want to watch this. My mind is made up and I'm set. And I can be the same thing with food, you know. I, I love trying new and different things that I haven't tried before. But I'll taste something, I'll have one bite and I'll go, I like this or I don't like it. And generally I can be a bit extreme. So I'm a raving evangelist. This is the best thing I've ever eaten. Or I hate this, this is terrible, I never want to eat this again. And we can be similar to that with people too. We meet someone new and we make up our mind about them really quickly. Good or bad. I, I like this person, I don't want to see this person again, whatever it is. And we're so silly because we can make our minds up, we can set our minds about what we think about someone. And then over time, something can happen and it changes. You know, they say something or do something and all of a sudden the way we view them is different. Maybe we get a bit more insight and understanding into their story and we, we think of them in a different light. Or maybe it's that they do something that hurts us, offends us, annoys us, irritates us and we completely write them off. We say, boom, they're done, they're on the naughty list. I've set my mind again. Or the other way around, you know, they're so generous or kind or loving or thoughtful to you at a certain time that your mindset just changes and you say, I love this person. They're my new best friend. My mind is made up. And we can just be so fickle, whether it's about TV or food or people, we can be so, so fickle and change our minds so easily sometimes over the littlest and silliest things. But what Romans 8 teaches us is that God has made up his mind about you and it will never change again. 
In Christ, God's mind is set. He's made up his mind about you. He loves you. He likes you. He is for you. And Harbor City, this idea about being in Christ is so key. Do you see it here? In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you've been set free from the power of sin. In Christ, God's arms are wide open to you, welcoming you in. Welcoming you into his family, welcoming you into his love, welcoming you into his kingdom and into eternal life with him. In Christ, you have the welcome of heaven and the approval and acceptance of heaven over your life. So are you in Christ today? I know that there's some of us who have been in the church for a long time. You've probably heard many sermons on Romans 8. You know what I'm talking about today. You've read this before. You believe it, but you're not living in the truths of Romans 8. We know that there's no condemnation for us, but we still have these voices in our head, this inner critic, which makes us feel that even though the verse says that, I'm still actually condemned because of this thing. Or maybe it's not voices in your head. Maybe you know that this is true, but you don't feel like it's true. You feel condemned because of this thing you did, this mistake you made, this choice you made. You still feel condemned, even though Romans 8 tells us you're not. Or maybe it's that you can't believe what I just said, that God's mind is made up about you, that he loves you. You just think there's no way God's mind didn't change when I did this. Of course it did. How can he feel that way about me because of that? And if you're wrestling with any of those things right now, I just want you to know that thought, that feeling, that wrestle is not true. There is now no condemnation ever again for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't live as if you're condemned. Don't think as if you're condemned. Don't feel as if you're condemned. Jesus was condemned in your place on the cross so that you can be free and live in the favor and love of God as his child. There's an exercise that I've done with a lot of people over the years, and it's really, really simple. But I think it's really helpful for us to live in the truths of Romans 8. And it's just an exercise on lies and truth. You know, Satan is called the father of lies. And really, his only weapon against us is to twist the truth, to make us believe lies, to to help us to not live in the truths of the scriptures. So the first thing I do is I say, make a column of lies. What are the lies from Satan that you're believing? Lies about yourself, lies about your identity, lies about your worth, lies about God, lies about what God thinks about you. What are those lies that you're believing? And what does the gospel say to them? What is the truth so that we can see it and live in the truth instead of the lie. And I'd love to encourage some of you this week to do that exercise. Take out a piece of paper, do a column in the middle, write lies and truth and write them down. Help yourself to articulate some of the things going on inside of you and use Romans 8 to help you. Maybe you can use some of these questions as you decide what to put down. Do I believe that I'm condemned at the moment? You know, And if so, why? We know what Romans 8 verse 1 says. So why do I feel condemned? What do I believe condemns me? What do I believe is stronger than the truth of this verse or stronger than what Christ has done on the cross so that I feel that I still need to live in condemnation? Then why am I living and acting and feeling and thinking this way? Do I believe that the verdict over my life is what Romans 8 verse 1 says? No condemnation. What do I believe that verdict is? Why do I believe that verdict is that? Do I believe that God's mind is made up about me and cannot change, that the verdict about me is set and that it is good as we've seen today? And what are the truths of this passage that I'm not believing? What are the truths of this passage that I need to believe are true of me in Christ? 
If you're watching this today and you've never responded to Jesus, you never put your faith in Him, you know you're not in Christ, I want to invite you right now to respond to Him. The way we respond initially is we repent and believe, or to use more simple language, you know, we, we change the way we think about God and what He's done for us. We, we choose to believe the things that I've shared about today and to trust Him that actually these things are true of us too. And then we ask Jesus to help us. We ask Him to forgive us of our sin. We ask Him to break the power of capital S sin in our life. We ask Him actually that there would be no condemnation for us, that we could come into His family and that all of these things would be true of us too. We'd go from being in sin to being in Christ. And then for those of you who know you're in Christ already, are you living in this amazing reality? Are you living in the fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Not now, not ever, that it's been fully dealt with. Are you living in the fact that your sins are forgiven? Are you living in the fact that the power of sin has been broken? And are you living in the acceptance of heaven and the welcome of God into intimate relationship and love with Him? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the good news of Romans 8. And Lord, it's so overwhelming. It's so much. It's so different to what I think we so often think is the message of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that this would get into our heads and hearts and that we believe it. Lord, I pray that this would not just be something that we know, but that it would be revelation. That you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might have spiritual insight and revelation and acceptance and ownership of this. Please get it inside of us, Lord. Let, let it become a reality for us. And I pray it would change the way we think, change the way we feel, change the way we live. Help us to live with the banner, no condemnation over our lives and in the approval and acceptance of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.